You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another insightful and informative episode of Mind Body Musings. Today's guest is nothing short of amazing. I had the pleasure to hear this woman talk at the Paleo FX conference this past year on a panel that discussed body image and exercise, where tons of women and men gathered together to listen to the light she was so willing to shed and share on this topic. Molly Galbraith is a certified strength and conditioning coach and co-founder of Girls Gone Strong a website dedicated to providing women with the best nutrition, training, health, and lifestyle information. She is also co-founder of J&M Strength and Conditioning, one of the premier facilities in the country for training women, although she recently stepped away to focus her attention 100% on Girls Gone Strong and her personal website, mollygrabberth.com. Her personal mission is to help women discover and accept what their best body looks and feels like with minimal time and effort and to help them give themselves grace and compassion about it. I love that. Now enough with the intros, it's time to dig into our juicy discussion for the day. Welcome to the show, Molly. How are you doing? I'm great, Madeline. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm so excited we got to do this. I am actually read one of your articles like forever ago I don't know how long ago but it was like a year and a half ago from your website and then I heard you at paleo fx and I didn't even put the two together I didn't even like realize (laughs) that that was you on the panel oh that's that person yeah oh yeah like I didn't like I didn't I don't know what how I did not put it together but later I saw someone like post one of your articles and it was the um it was the one titled is being lean really worth it? Mm-hmm. And I read that at a time in my life where I really needed to read it, and then I heard you at PaleoFX, and I was like, oh my gosh, this girl's amazing. I wish I had actually introduced myself at PaleoFX, so here we are. Oh, I <laughs> wish you had too, yeah. Is being really lean really worth it Like was, uh, was one that I wrote just because I felt like so many people in the industry, I mean, I've been in love with, with health and wellness and fitness for over 11 years now, and I've been kind of on quite a journey. I mean, I've competed in figure and I've dabbled in powerlifting a little bit and, you know, I'm a coach and I I owned a gym for, or co-owned a gym for several years and worked with a lot of different women and especially being a trainer or a fitness professional, there's so much pressure to be extremely lean or to like kind of look this part. And for me, um, that's just not my body type. You know, I'm, I'm almost 5'11". I'm like 165 pounds. I'm, you know, muscular, but I'm curvy. And it's just not my body type to walk around and be extremely lean. And after I competed in a few different figure competitions, I went through a lot of health issues, you know, lost my period. And I ended up with um, autoimmune disease and PCOS and adrenal issues and stuff. And so for me, you know, when, when you share this title as being really lean, really worth it, it makes it sound like the answer is no, but that's not necessarily the answer. The answer is 
I can't answer that for you. You know, is being really lean really worth it? I'm not sure. You need to read the article and, you know, figure out what the risk to reward is of getting that lean. Because for some people, it's not that hard. They can walk around quite lean and be very healthy and comfortable. For other people, it takes a lot of work and they sacrifice time with their family and they sacrifice their lifestyle and they sacrifice their health to be that lean. So, you know, it's not necessarily that it's not worth it. It's just that it's for each individual to decide for them, is it worth it or not? So that's kind of, kind of my take on it, I guess. No, you like just summed up what I've been trying to tell people for like a year now. Like that was the (laughs) most perfect thing you could have said because it is true. And a lot of times people will read something like that, like, and just see that title and then automatically get defensive because Mm -hmm. they might happen to be one of those people that can have that lean figure and they don't, they might not have to go through the psychological challenges that other people have to go through whenever they're trying to achieve a body type. That's not necessarily what their body wants to do. Like not ever, like it really is kind of difficult to have a, a goal a like an aesthetic goal that your body isn't really made for. And yeah. it's hard to come to terms with that and to accept it. And like, it can be very frustrating and I've had to take a step back and be like, okay, my body doesn't change as easily as, you know, the people on Instagrams do. So I yeah. should stop beating myself up for not like making all this crazy product progress like they are. Yeah. I, another one of my articles, um, it was for a while I was taking reader questions where people would submit questions to me that they wanted me to answer on my blog. And one of them was, what do I eat to get abs? And of course, like, you know, everyone's like abs. They want to read all about what do I eat to get abs? But my, the first part of my blog of my answer, my blog is, I don't even know if you can get abs. Like maybe you (laughs) can't because like truly I have, um, friends in the industry who, you know, uh, we've got different body types. And for me, I'm pretty hourglass. So like even on when I'm like carrying more fat, then you can still see my abs pretty well. And then I have other friends, but I carry more weight in my hips and my thighs and my butt. And some of my other friends, um, have a, you know, the kind of figure where their legs are like super lean and look amazing no matter what. They don't have like a, you know, drop a cellulite on them anywhere, but they have to be like, you know, 10% body fat to be able to see their abs. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, what are your genetics like? Right. So is it even possible for you to get there? And if it is, what are you going to have to sacrifice to get there? And is that worth it to you or not? And so, um, yeah, I kind of, I, I work with people on that a lot. I, that's why I talk about like finding a place. I'm speaking at this thing called the Women's Fitness Summit in about six or seven weeks in Kansas City. It's going to be awesome. Um, womensfitnesssummit.com. If people are interested, there's going to be, it's for women, by women, no boys allowed. It's going to be pretty cool. But um, my my topic is finding balance where health, lifestyle, performance, and aesthetics intersect. And, um, you know, I feel like the majority of women that start working out, they start working out because they want to look better, they want to feel better, and they want to feel good and strong. They don't work out because they want to, they don't start working out because they like want to do it two hours a day, six days a week for the rest of their lives. You know, they, but they often fall into that because that's what they think they need to do to get where they want to be. And so, my kind of goal is to is to teach them that they if they just want to look good, feel good, and feel strong, then you don't have to kill yourself like that. If you want to have more extreme goals, that's totally fine. But again, I think most people will be satisfied satisfied with just looking and feeling better and feeling healthy and strong. And so that's kind of my mission is to help women figure out how to get there. Um, like I, like you said in my mission statement, with minimal time and effort while loving their bodies along the way. Um, you know, people think that that wanting to change their body and loving their body are mutually exclusive. They think that they can't love who they are and the way they 
are and the way they look right now if they want anything to be different. And I just don't think that's true. Yes, yes, exactly. And so like when you were doing these fitness competitions, how did you start to train your mind and your brain to stop like seeing your seeing your the, the fitness part of your life as just um, a means to changing your body and start seeing it? I mean, I don't know if you ever only saw it that way, but you know, I'm guessing that you might have been kind of like I was like, I just wanted to work out to change my body to win this, you know, right competition. Yeah. But like, how did you personally like see your body differently and be like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for fun and for progress instead of just like changing your body fat percentages. Yeah. I was going to say, girl, that didn't happen until after I was done competing. <laughs> so I did, um, I did like a, a little mini powerlifting meet in 2005, just kind of for fun. And then 2006, seven and eight, I competed in figure and, um, 2006 and 2007 were pretty close together. So it was like end of 06, beginning of 07. And, and after that, my body rebounded so hard and, um, I gained, ended up gaining, you know, decent amount of weight. And, and so I was like, okay, I've got to fix this. I've got to, um, you know, get back to a place where I feel good and then, you know, eating more food. And so I, uh, I, in 07 and beginning of 08, I was able to really kind of heal my body. And I got up to where I was eating tons of food. I mean, I was eating like 3,200 calories, maybe more on my lower body days and like 2,800 on my upper body days. And, you know, 24 on my, on my off days and like 6,000 on my cheat days. And I mean, I was wow. able to consume a ton of food. Yeah. I actually logged it in fit day. How weird is that? Mm. Um, I was like logging was like six and $7,000 or six and 7,000 calorie cheat days. Um, and so, and I don't even have cheat days anymore. We can get to that later, but I, um, yeah, I was eating a ton of food and I was staying really lean and I was feeling good. And of course I'm like, I feel awesome. And I'm eating so much food and I'm staying so lean. I'm going to do another figure competition, right? That's like the dumbest mm. thing ever. Like, uh -huh. why did I do that to myself? And so I decided, because at the time, I think I was dying to like be in the industry and like do something really cool in fitness. And I had a, I had a fitness business at that time that ended up not doing so well, but I just, it, to me, it was like the only way I knew how to quote unquote be in fitness, I think. And so I decided to do another competition, did that. And after that, that's when, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. So I was, uh, did that the end of 08 and the spring of 09, like, uh, end of winter, beginning of spring of 09, I was 24 years old. And I literally felt like I could not get up off the couch to get a drink of water. Like it was the most like physically depressed I've ever been. I wasn't mentally depressed, but I was physically depressed. It was like, it's going to take me an hour to get off the couch and to walk in the kitchen. And it was the most bizarre thing ever. And so I went to the doctor. I have an integrative doctor here in Lexington where I live. And she was like, okay, you have Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune hypothyroidism. You have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And you have adrenal dysfunction, which means there's a feedback loop issue between your brain and your adrenals. And so she's, uh, she's like, congratulations. You have this triple whammy like of things. No wonder you feel awful. And so... I started, you know, at that point in time, I was looking in the mirror, did not recognize my body. I'm like, whose body is this? I didn't feel like myself. It was awful. And so it was actually at that point in time when I decided that I was going to um, do a powerlifting meet, like a full powerlifting meet. And the reason was because I had been so used to having a goal to shoot for, like, I'm going to do this figure competition. I'm going to do that figure competition. I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to do that. I, I needed a goal that wasn't based on aesthetics because... 
my aesthetics weren't changing no matter what I did because of my, you know, the kind of things I was suffering from at that time. And so I was like, okay, I need a performance-based goal. So I set myself up with a performance-based goal, did the powerlifting meet, had a great time, had a lot of fun. And shortly after that, realized like, okay, um, I need to get back to the basics and heal my body. Not only from you know, the nutrition and health standpoint, but from the exercise standpoint, like I know I've got major weaknesses. I know I've got a shaky foundation. Let's get back to the basics. And that's when I went to go see Mike Robertson, um, who's in Indianapolis and he's kind of been coaching me off and on for the last four and a half years. But it's been in that time that I realized like my body was like, all right, you're not going to slow down. We're going to slow you down, you know? And I just realized like, I can't like the body will always win. You know, like no matter Mm -hmm. what you think that you want your body to do, like it's going to win. It might not win in the moment. You might be able to push it to wherever you want it to go temporarily. But if you don't slow down, it will slow you down. And so I, uh, for the last about four and a half years, I've been working with Mike off and on just to, you know, work on the really basic fundamentals of breathing and core stability and, you know, getting movement where my body's supposed to get movement and being stable where I'm supposed to be stable And, um, in that time, this is like the longest answer to the shortest question ever, Um, (laughs) but in, in that time, about two and a half years ago, my dad passed away and, um, unexpectedly I found out he was sick on a Saturday night and he died on a Tuesday night and, um, the following Tuesday. Yep. Three days. And so I know it was crazy of pneumonia, like who dies of pneumonia in 2012, you know, it's crazy, but you know, it was, um, it was quick and it was relatively painless and it was in his home and in his bed and in his sleep and he was surrounded by people he loved. And so you you can't really ask for much more than that, but of course it was devastating. He was only 64. And so, um, he passed away and about nine months later I got out of a six year relationship with a very nice man who was a good person that, you know, we had talked about getting married and such. And so I had a really rough year in 2012 and I ended up gaining quite a bit of weight because I wasn't really focused on my, you know, my appearance or my working out. I had also had some back pain issues shortly after um, my dad passed away. I ended up hurting my back. I think there was a lot of emotional stuff that had to do with that, but um, I ended up hurting my back. So here I have this back that's hurting. I've lost my dad. I've, you know, left this long-term relationship. Um, We had some crazy stuff going on in my business at that point in time. I moved home with my parents. It was just a really hard year for me. And my weight just skyrocketed because I wasn't able to take care of myself physically because I was so busy trying to take care of myself emotionally. And so it was during that time that I just realized like, you know what, I have one body and it's like literally the only place that I have to live. I have this, this kind of joke or this saying that makes people laugh, but it's true. It's like, if you and your body don't get along, where is your ass going to live? You know, (laughs) because like, there's really like, there's nowhere else for you to live. And so I just realized at that point, like, no matter how my body looks, no matter how it feels, no matter, I'm, I'm going to be good to it as good as I can, not just physically, but emotionally and start having this really good relationship with myself. And so it's only been about the last, I'd say year and a half or two years that I've really come to terms with, you know, whether I weigh 165 or 175 or 180 or whatever, I love my body and there might be, you know, uh, I might feel more comfortable at a certain weight or I might, you know, feel stronger or, you know, be better at pull-ups or whatever, but that's, you know, it's, this is a, this is a lifelong journey. This isn't a, um, 
this isn't a, you know, a, a sprint, it's a marathon. And so I just try to, you know, maintain this healthy kind of good relationship with myself and my body, no matter where it is at any given time. Wow. That is quite a testimony. <laughs> like that is like, congrats on getting through all of that and keeping a great head on your shoulders. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Well, six years of therapy helps too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see that. I'm um, the biggest proponent of therapy ever. So <laughs> I love it. When you took that long break and you said that you had gained weight because you weren't exercising or you weren't eating um, the way like you should have been eating. But do you think that your body needed that? Like, do you think that with the kind of ad- adrenal fatigue, sometimes you need to have that, that weight? I mean, this is just in my own head. Sometimes mm-hmm. I make up things I feel like. But, like, I think that if you're overworking your body a lot, sometimes eating whatever and not working out kind of, like, brings your body back to equilibrium somehow. Or, like, you might gain more weight, but then later it's easier for your metabolism to speed up. Am I making this up? Is this kind of true? I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, that totally sounds reasonable to me. And I do, like, so your body can only, like, okay, so it doesn't know the difference between running from a bear fighting with your spouse, mm-hmm. overdrawing your bank account, or doing a 90-minute spin class. Like, you, the, the stress response within your body is the same, right? Um, and so it's that fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system, like, you know, heavy breathing, super super stressed out response. And so for me, and, and that's the thing, like, if you fill your cup with stress, so picture, like, the amount of stress your body can handle is like an eight-ounce glass, okay? So two ounces is the financial problems you're having right now. The other two ounces is your child who is up all night vomiting, you know, and you didn't get any rest. The other two ounces is work, okay? So what are you going to fill the last two ounces with? Like, a spin class or, mm. you know what I mean, like, going home to a husband who's mad about something or, you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to fill the last two ounces with? What's going to make you spill over? And so... For me, like my glass was totally full with just trying to take care of myself emotionally and my business and such that I couldn't devote that much time to the other side of things. Like any of any working out that I would have done, and I was I was in the gym about two days a week, but um, the working out that I would have done would have been stress that made that cup overflow, and so. I definitely think that my body, again, your body knows better than you do. I definitely think my body was like kind of down-regulating my motivation to be in the gym because it knew that it needed some rest. And so people ask a lot, they're like, how can I get motivated to go to the gym? And it's like, "Mm, if you normally like going to the gym and you don't have motivation, there's probably a reason. Your body's probably trying to tell you to take a break or to take care of yourself or to back things off a little bit. You know, if you're someone who just hates going and you always hate going, then that's one thing. But if you're someone who generally likes to be active and work out and your body's like not feeling it and you're not feeling motivated, it's probably a sign that your body's telling you to chill out a little bit. So yes, I do think that there's something to what you're saying in terms of it being good to have that little break, um, from being in the gym. Like I said, I think my, my stress cup was so full of other things that my body just kind of knew like, all right, we can't really handle the stress from, you know, from intense physical activity right now. So let's just, let's walk and let's foam roll and let's stretch and let's do a little bit of lifting. And then, you know, when things get a little bit better then we can get back at it. So. Yeah. That's a really powerful visual, the glass. I'd never even like (laughs) to think of something like that. What kind of like, what kind of tips would you give someone who has this really long break and takes a break from the gym, loves to be active, and then wants to get back 
involved with fitness but doesn't want to get lost and doesn't want to have like the desire to look perfect take over and they want to like really begin to see fitness as a way to better themselves and not like quickly let it stress them out yeah well I don't know if you've seen on my blog but I have something called the 28 day love your body challenge and it's been one of the most powerful things that I've ever done for myself and for other people and I had this idea because you know, I talk a lot about uh, a little over a year ago, I wrote um, a two, two article series called It's Hard Out Here for a Fit Chick, part one and part mm -hmm. two. And I talked about kind of the body stuff that I went through where my weight would fluctuate and how people would make nasty comments about it. Like, you know, I, they'd see me like two or three weeks after a figure competition when my, you know, my body had rebounded and they'd be like, whoa, what happened to you? Mm. Or people would like, you know, post on my YouTube videos, why aren't you lean anymore? You know I mean? Just crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And so things that people, you're like, why in the world would anyone ever say that? But right. um, like, what are you thinking? Yeah, exactly. They're not thinking. I think that's the problem. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's the internet. So they're hiding behind the keyboard. True, but true. so I, I wrote about just how tough it is. Is. And, you know, um, how hard it is to be someone who's perceived as really fit because we're, you know, we're judged a lot more, I think, than the average person. And, um, and so I was, I talked a lot about, you know, loving, loving my body and coming to a place um, of peace with my body. But I think that that is such kind of an esoteric concept for a lot of people. They're like, oh, love my body. Okay, how does that happen? Like, I hate my body right now, right? But what they don't realize is that like anything else in life, it requires practice. Like if you're going to get better at math, you practice math. If you're going to be better at squatting, you practice squatting. If you're going to get better at loving your body, you practice loving your body, even if you're faking it until you make it, you know? And so I thought that this challenge would be really cool because it was something that could be done in 10 minutes a day, like five to 10 minutes a day. You read the blog post. There's a mantra that you kind of repeat to yourself. And there's um, an action step that you complete. And every day of the challenge is a different reason to love your body. And some of them are physical and some, you know, some of them are how you look. And some of them are like what your body can do. You know, there's everything from, you know, love your body because it's sexy, love your body because it's strong to love your body because it can give and receive love from other people. You know, like how, like you don't really think about like a reason to love my body is because I'm a mother who can nurse my baby or I can hold my dad's hand or I can make my, you know, I can, I can kiss my grandpa on the forehead and make him smile. Or I can, you know, like we just don't think about these things. I can, I can passionately kiss my significant other. Like these are all really cool things that our body affords us the ability to do. And yet we never take the time to slow down and recognize and kind of thank and be grateful to ourselves for the ability to do that. And so, um, like I said, it's, it's 28 days and every day you spend about five to 10 minutes a day just kind of thinking about these things and completing these action steps, whether it's, you know, writing down 10 things that you didn't know that you could do that you were able to do. Maybe you like pick up the five gallon water jug at work and change the water, you know, the water cooler or whatever. Like I get a lot of women that say like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I could do that. And I've been working out for a month and now I can do it. Or, well, my dog got really sick and it's the 70 pound lab and I had to put him in the car and it was no problem or whatever. So there are all these things like besides aesthetics, like all these cool reasons that we should be absolutely in love with our bodies. Cause again, it's this home and it's this only place we have to live. And so we might as well, you know, do our best to make peace with it, but it takes practice like anything else. You don't just wake up and love your body one day, unless you have some like major, like, 
crazy enlightenment experience. If so, I want whatever you took the night before. But, you know, like, unless you're going to take some kind of, like, psychedelic drug or something, you're probably not going to wake up just in love with your body one day. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it seriously, it takes, you know, it takes, it takes practice just like anything else. And just like anything else, it's not something that you do for a month and then you're done. Like, you'd never brush your teeth for 28 days and be like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to do that anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's a maintenance. Like, you do it and then you maintain it. And so... Um, that's probably my best advice that I could give would be to do something like the 28 day love your body challenge and really just take that time to, to treat yourself really well, to find out more about yourself, to kind of, kind of dive deep and, um, and kind of, I don't know, figure out what your motivations are. I mean, cause truly if aesthetics are your only motivation, like at some point that's going to wane a little bit, whether it's because you get older or whether it's because you get injured and you, you know, your body changes or whatever, like you've got to find another reason, um, to want to mm-hmm. work out and to want to stay healthy and strong. I just, before this call, I just left my grandmother. I was spending time with her. She's 88 and she had a stroke about a year and a half ago. And she cannot use the left side of her body. You know, she cannot get herself up out of a chair. And to see something like that is like, man, I never want to get to the point where I can't get up out of a chair. I see 45-year-olds who can't get out of chairs. You know, they like, uh, when they go to get up and like push off and like, you know, hands on their knees trying to like push themselves up or grab onto a table or get help or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. man, they've got another 40 years in that body and they already can't get up and down, you know? So... Yeah, yeah, that's extremely powerful. I feel like the whole giving gratitude to your different parts of your body is extremely important as well. And like that's something I've recently started to do because I've never been someone that focuses on the great things about my body or what I mm-hmm. happen to love. And like I was talking to my mom about this the other day and this is I I mean this isn't conceited whatsoever and I'm just going to say it because you know as women we should start talking about what we love about ourselves because agreed <laughs> that should be much more socially acceptable than talking about what we don't love about ourselves so I'm just going to say yes. it and I I Do really <laughs> I really like my face and like yeah that's pretty cool I was thinking about that the other day and like I've never I've never wished that I had a different face and like mm-hmm. like a lot of people you know, look at actresses and whatever and they're like man I lo- wish I looked like her and like I'm so focused on the parts of my body that are not seen like mm-hmm. my stomach like that's never seen I, I very <laughs> rarely go swimming so I don't know why I get mm-hmm. so uptight about like <laughs> swim season because I never go swimming and like none of that ever happens but my face which is shown every single day like, I never, ever have once wished that I had a different face. And that's what's shown every day. And, like, I should be proud of my face. And I shouldn't, mm-hmm. like, I should focus on what I do love. And then, like, think about all the other things your body does for you. Like, if you drink too much water, you go pee. You know, if your mm-hmm. temperature is, like, getting too high, your body fights for equilibrium. Like, yeah, all of these crazy things your body is going to try. Like, if you try to hold your breath for as long as you can, eventually you're going to start to breathe. Because your body won't let you die. Like, it's trying mm-hmm. so hard to keep you alive and it sh- it just shows how much your body in itself loves you and it like sucks that we have such a hard time loving it back and like treating it well and giving it like giving it the love it deserves and being grateful for every single part of your body like if you eat something that upsets your stomach like you will feel better i mean mm-hmm. ho- hopefully you yeah. know, like hopefully not in every country maybe but you know for the <laughs> most part if you eat something that doesn't agree with you your body's going to let you know it's going to hurt and it's going to say you know don't do that again i I love right. you, like, yeah. make me feel better. And so I'm going to definitely have to include the link to to that because I, I want to check it out myself. And I, I think I have seen it on your website, and it sounds, like, really amazing for people that need to kind of just glide into 
this this new concept of self-love and gratitude. And yeah, and when it's self-guided too, so you don't even have to do one every day. You could do one every other day. You could do one a week, you know, make it last longer. You could just the first time through, maybe you just read it instead of actually reading it and doing the mantra and doing the action step. Like any little bit helps. It's not like you have to do it a hundred percent or it doesn't count. That's like saying, if you don't go to the gym for 60 minutes, like balls out that it doesn't count. Like you can walk to the mailbox and back and I've you been did there. something. <laughs> yeah. And you did something, you know, and I totally love what you say about, about, you know, you love your face. Like I'm looking at your picture right now and you are beautiful. And I'm yeah. so glad that you said that. It's um, my friend, Jen Comas Keck said something similar about how she's like, yeah, we're encouraged to love ourselves, but not too much. You know what I mean? Like, it's so annoying. It's like, no, if you're like, oh my gosh, my ass looks amazing in these pants. Like, you know, people Mm -hmm. are like, she's so conceited. There's this really funny video and, um, it, my friend Jen Sinclair put it up on her page. It's been quite a while now, but it's these women and it starts with this one woman, another woman, they run into each other on the street and they're like, Oh, I like your hair. And she's like, "Ugh, it looks so bad today. And then another woman walks up and they're like, cute dress. And she's like, whatever makes me look so fat. And then another woman walks up. And so anyway, it's this like six or seven women walk up and they're all chatting. And then somebody, they say something nice to one of the ladies and she blows it off or, you know, whatever. And then this like other woman walks up and they're like, that's a cute coat. And she's like, thank you. And like, it's hilarious. Cause then one of the women's, her head explodes. The other woman, she sets herself on fire. The other woman, she like throws <laughs> herself in front of a car. Cause like none of them can actually handle this woman accepting a compliment. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Cause it's so true. We're taught from an early age to, um, to deflect these compliments that we get from people. And that's actually something that I do in a coaching group with my, um, I have uh, a group of ladies who I do private coaching with and I do their nutrition and their training, but I also do like lifestyle and mindset and perspective stuff with them. And one of their things is if they say something bad about themselves um, in the, in the Facebook um, group, then they have to, they're like basically in timeout and they're not allowed to participate in the group until they say five nice things about themselves. And one of them has to be about their appearance. And so it's so funny because they have the hardest time. They're like, I can't, but like my husband thinks I'm, and I'm like, no, mm -mm, this is about you. What do you think? And they're like, no, I can't. I'm like, do it. And they're like, "Um, I'm a nice person. I'm funny, you know, but they won't want to say anything nice about the way they look. I'm like, you're still in timeout until you say something good about the way you look. They're like, I have kind of decent hair. I'm like, that doesn't count. <laughs> like, no, you need to be, you need to tell me what absolutely rocks about the way that you look. And they're just, oh, they just struggle with it so much. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think to add on to that, I think another really great practice is to start complimenting other women of all different sizes and all different looks and like giving them compliments. I've tried to do something like I haven't really stuck with it, but I've been trying to do it where once a day I do compliment someone a genuine compliment. Like yes. like thoughts pop into my head and like I'm not going to go up to someone and make something up to like hit this right. like quota, yes. but like I have things go on throughout my day of where I want to be like, oh, wow, like her hair is really curly and it's beautiful because I love Mm -hmm. curly hair. I should say something and like compliment her. And like instead of always looking for the bad things, like looking for the women who have like stringy hair or like have wedgies (laughs) and like you want to call them out on it. (laughs) Instead, just say something like kind to women or like just think of more kind things. And like whenever Mm -hmm. you notice that you're starting to critique other women, know that you're doing that to yourself as well. And so starting to think think about seeing women differently and appreciating them for every single, every single, like, you know, shape or size and saying it out loud and meaning it. That's very powerful. 
Yep, that was totally. They had the assignment that one week. It's been a couple of weeks now where they had to ex- they had to accept compliments gracefully all week, and then at the end they had to give genuine compliments to other women. And I really had them observe how the other women either accepted or deflected the compliment. And they all said that when the woman deflected the compliment, it made them feel badly. So it's like, okay, mm. so now you're saying that when other people compliment you and you deflect it you're, you know what I mean? Like you, that's being somewhat insulting or rude to the complimenter. So just learn to accept it and, you know, and kind of, uh, so it was interesting for them to be on both sides of it, for them to have to accept them and then to turn around and, and, um, and like you said, find them in other people. And they definitely all said that when they started looking for things to compliment on other people, that they found them all over the place. And then they were actually in turn kinder to themselves because they found themselves looking for more positive stuff. Yeah. So it's really, it's just about practice. It's literally just about, it's something that you make yourself do every day until it becomes an effortless habit, just like anything else, just like drinking more water, just like eating more protein, just like eating more vegetables. You know, it's, it's literally something that you do on a regular basis until the habit, habit becomes effortless. Yeah, and this is like a complete tangent, and I never talk about guys on this show, yeah. but I'm just going to add this on here because – I feel like in our generation, like dating wise, you know, women are always talking about how few gentlemen there are out there. And I was having a conversation with a guy the other day who was just saying that, you know, I mean, he's a gentleman, like he really is. And and he's saying that most women that he's dated have tried to, you know, when he compliments them or he brings them flowers or he does something nice, they kind of just don't accept it the way that, you know, you would expect someone to accept it because pe- girls are even uncomfortable with guys doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, that especially is important if we want to continue to grow, like, young gentlemen and, you know, be courted. Like, we have to mm-hmm. accept it and we have to, like, say thank you. Like, you know, like, it's pretty yeah. awesome. Like, now it's kind of sad how surprised I am when I'm treated um, genuinely, like... <laughs> Like, I'm being quiet. Like, I'm kind of shocked. And then I'm like, wow, this is kind of sad that I'm so entirely shocked at how this guy's treating me. But, you know, and then for some reason, sometimes we start to like those guys a little bit less because they're less of the bad boys and less, you know, they're giving us more attention. And it's like, we need to start training our brains to see us as women that we deserve that. And, like, you know, it's not like with this whole, you know, women are, you know, like, we don't need this. We don't need to be treated like this. You know, we're just as strong as men. You know, yeah, we, of course we are, but we still have a feminine side. And I, right. I, I might be kind of old fashioned, but I still think it's really important to be courted and treated like that. And that's totally random. I never talk about men on this, but you know, <laughs> I just want to throw that out there because I think it's really awesome to, to, to meet a gentleman and I want those to be cultivated more often. Right, yeah, and like you said, if they're rewarded for behaving that way, then they'll continue behaving that way. Yeah, depends you know, on like, how you reward them. Well, you know what I mean. I meant accepting the compliment gracefully. Yeah, totally. But, you know, you <laughs> totally. Know, whatever. Whatever. That's <laughs> to, so funny. To each their own, I guess. <laughs> okay, but okay, I want to get into this real quickly. Um, okay, so dieting wise, I know that the way you used to see food, the same way I used to see food, I'm still kind of getting out of that. But like dieting, it's always a diet, like. You know, whether I'm counting macros or I'm following this diet plan or that diet plan or like, you know, shifting calories based on my my goals or whatever. Um, How do you kind of see food now? And like, do you follow any type of program for your clients? Do you recommend they follow any type of program or is it more of an intuitive eating focus? What's going on there? 
Yeah, so dieting. Oh, goodness, this big word, or uh, this little word that has such big implications. Right. Um, so I I try not to be, like, super dogmatic about anything. Like, where I have Hashimoto's, I'm 100% gluten-free all the time, no matter what. Like, don't cheat with it, don't anything. Like, it's so funny because I go to dinner with people who – like I know from the internet and they're, they talk about being gluten-free on the internet, but I'm like, they only pretend to be gluten-free on the internet. Like they legitimately still eat stuff that has, that has gluten mm. that has, or they'll order a salad and like not even think about whether or not it has croutons. And when the croutons come, they like pick them off. And like, <sighs> if I get a salad like with croutons, that shit's going back to the kitchen, you know, like, right. no, this is not okay. So no, I do, I do everything I can to stay, um, hundred percent gluten-free all the time. Um, just because it's helped my antibody levels significantly. I've done some elimination diets and such where I've had to cut out a lot of different foods and things and kind of heal my gut. So I've, I've been there and done that. Um, and so my biggest, my pretty much the only like hard and fast rule I follow all the time is gluten-free. Um, I try to make sure I get adequate protein and vegetables every day, but truly like so my diet now has gotten to a place of moderation and it's so amazing. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I somehow in the last year, like hit this kind of turning point where I realized, um, I, I have a thing on my blog called, um, like seven, uh, seven food epiphanies. And, um, and I just talk about kind of like the lessons and that I've learned about food in the last X number of years. And, um, I'll share a couple of those with you guys, but, I, I felt like for so long, cause I've been obsessed with food for as long as I can remember. My mom found me hiding behind my couch, eating sticks of butter. When I, I read was little. that. I read yeah. that. I read that like yeah. this week I was preparing and I was like, wow, because I, I had to catch on to like the vibe of like the tone that you were, cause I thought, I thought you were serious at first, but then I realized like I was catching on to how you were presenting the story and yeah. then I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, I can totally relate. Yes. But yeah. And so I've just been obsessed with food for as long as I can remember. I've always thought about like, what food was I going to eat next? And, you know, uh, I've just loved it. And so, um, and then where I had done, um, you know, figure competitions and stuff, I'd gotten really used to restricting. And so for years, it's either been like, okay, I'm on a diet or I'm off a diet. I'm cheating or I'm being good. I'm on the wagon or I'm off the wagon. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I just realized recently, like, there is no wagon. Like, because the only way you fall off the wagon is if you die, because at that point you can't make a better choice next. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think that like people talking about a wagon or being on or off really gives people an excuse to stay off because getting quote unquote back on feels so hard and daunting. But if you say like, you know what, like who cares if you had a cupcake for lunch, like just make a better decision at dinner. And that feels a little bit more like, you know what, I can do that. I can just make a better choice at my next meal. That feels a lot more doable than like, all right, got to get back on this wagon. Like you got to heave yourself back up on there. You know, it's like, oh, well, I better wait till Monday to do that because that's going to be hard. <laughs> and yeah. so I talk a lot about, um, about this finding moderation and the things that I, that I talk about are, you know, uh, number one, that food is abundant. I mean, I think we're really lucky to live in America and have food be abundant. So there's truly like nothing that's off limits at any time ever. You know, I can get pretty much any food that I want at any given time and it's never out of my reach. And so when I used to have cheat days, it would be like, okay, well at midnight I have to stop eating this. So at like 1157, even though I'm like not hungry 
and my stomach aches from eating so much food. I'm like stuffing my face because I only have two and a half or three more minutes to eat this food. Mm. And so that caused this like kind of desire to want to binge eat. And I can eat a lot of food. And I never really struggled with an, with a quote unquote eating disorder. Um, but I definitely had some disordered eating habits, I think. And so that was one of them was just like, was literally eating until I got so sick. One of my birthdays, I could not get this. I had eaten so much and I was wearing this dress and it was so tight on my stomach and my rib cage. I was in tears and I was trying to like get the dress unzipped in the car on the way home because it was so painful and I couldn't get it unzipped. And I'm just like crying and rolling around in the car trying to unzip my dress. Like that's not normal. <laughs> and, um, so that was really huge for me. And then realizing that like I should stop eating whatever like kind of indulgent food that I'm eating whenever the payoff is no longer greater than the price. So like I love ice cream and I would sit down and eat an entire pint of ice cream and I wouldn't even think about like a third of the way through my whole mouth is numb and I can't taste the ice cream anymore. Like, oh, why man. am I eating it? You know, why am I stuffing my face with hogging those when I don't even appreciate the, you know, the last two thirds of it. Um, and so it was just kind of ridiculous that I had just eaten a pint of ice cream when I really only enjoyed like the first third of the pint. And my friend Nagar Fanuni actually has something that she calls the law of first bites. And she says to stop eating it when whatever bite you're taking is no longer as good as the first bite. And I think that's really mm. important too, because for the most part, we're just eating things that we like because we really enjoy the taste. But if you get to a point where you're not getting the same enjoyment out of it, you might as well stop eating it. Um, and number three is just making sure that I eat things that I really love, even if they're like healthy things or healthful foods. So for example, I'm much more likely to, um, you know, enjoy like buttery, garlicky, like Brussels sprouts than dry broccoli, you know? And so if I feel like I really loved my dinner, I'm not going to feel like I want something for dessert necessarily. Where if I was like stuffing dry broccoli in my face, I'd be like, oh, this is disgusting. I need something that tastes really good. And so I make sure that no matter what I'm eating, um, it, it's really, really delicious. I was um, out to, uh, with, I was hanging out with a friend recently and my nephew and her son were playing together. And the kids, we were at this little like indoor adventure playground or whatever, and they'd been playing games and they'd won all this candy. And she and I are sitting at the table chatting while they're playing and she starts nibbling on her son's candy. And I mean, this is like crap that has been in a machine for probably 18 months or longer, like maybe longer than that. She's just eating it. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, does that taste good? And she's like, no. And she just kept eating it. And I'm like, why are you wasting like sugar and calories and garbage on something that you're not even enjoying, you know? So I make sure that like, I really just eat things that I really like. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really careful to stop before I get really full. I had told that story earlier about how I stuffed myself until I like was dying to get out of my dress and I couldn't. Um, and so I've just learned to stop eating when I'm comfortable, but not like overly full. Um, another thing is if I know I'm going to have kind of a more indulgent, meal like for example I was just in Vegas uh for work and for my birthday and I knew we were going to be going to some of the buffets so I might like fast a little in the morning or stretch my meals out like um you know have a little bit more time between the meals that I eat during the day just to kind of I mean it's simple math I'm just eating fewer calories during the day if I know I'm going to be eating some more calories at night and because I have those other good habits that doesn't lead to like a starve binge thing you know it's just like it's just a simple mindfulness. Like, Hey, I'm going to a buffet tonight. I'm not going to stuff myself before I go, you know, I'm going to eat a little bit less before I go so that when I go, I can really enjoy it because I know even at the buffet for the most part, I'm going to stop when I'm, you know, full, but not uncomfortably full. Um, 
And then the last two are just eating more slowly. And um, if I'm at my house and like there's something that I really want that sounds delicious, like ice cream or whatever, I'll have a couple bites and then I'll wait 20 minutes. And if I still want more, then I'll have a little bit more. But um, I usually don't want more after that. I feel pretty satisfied. So those are the kind of like food epiphanies that I've had recently. When it comes to my clients, um, I'll do whatever, like you were asking, like, is it intuitive eating? Is it macros? Is it like a diet plan? Is it whatever? I try to find what's going to work for the individual. So when someone starts working with me, I have them fill out a pretty extensive questionnaire and I ask them all kinds of questions. You know, how many times a day do you eat? How many times a day do you like to eat? Um, you know, do you like cooking? Are you okay with eating leftovers? Like, would you rather be told what to eat? Would you rather be told what not to eat? And so I kind of try to gauge where they are. And oftentimes I'll write them a plan for them to follow. And then after that plan, we will like that will kind of get them in the habit of making good choices and then we'll transition more to like more moderation and being a little bit more mindful about it. So I think a lot of times people need some more structure in the beginning and, um, and then you can take them to a place of like when that, once they get used to eating, for example, protein and vegetables at every meal, then they can start to kind of come away from your plan and to kind of structure their own eating because they've developed the good habits that you've given them. So where other people, they do really well with just making small changes every week. Like, okay, this week we're going to focus on eating really slowly. Like I want you to take at least 20 minutes to eat every meal and I want you to stop when you're 80% full. And then once you've nailed that down as a habit, then two weeks from now we're going to focus on eating more protein. And then two weeks after that we're going to focus on getting enough water and things like that. So I just kind of try to figure out what I think is going to allow the person to be successful for the long term. I feel like a lot of people hire coaches and they'll get a 12-week meal plan, and then as soon as the meal plan's over, they're like, all right, back to my old eating, you know, and um, and that's not what I want for my clients. I want my clients to learn how to eat for a lifetime without my help, you know, without needing me, needing me to sit there and help them stay accountable or be a taskmaster or, you know, get mad at them if they don't stick to their plan or whatever. I try to very much just be like a coach and a facilitator, but try to help them learn how to eat on their own. Oh my gosh, yes. I can completely relate to that. <laughs> I actually used to have a 12-week program that I sold people mm -hmm. uh, food, food-wise, and I ended up taking it down because I just didn't think it was right to have this one-size-fits-all 12-week mm -hmm. program approach that like takes nothing into account like whatsoever right. it's like something that worked for me once upon a time so right. like I should just go ahead I mean people will buy it because they're interested in what I did and of course right. it can work for some people but that's not where you like really learn how to incorporate your intuition with food mm -hmm. you know yep and that's yeah I talk so much about being mindful and being mindful you know is like listening to what your body wants and I think it's so funny because people are like well my body wanted for so I ate french fries it's like no like that's not that's not what that means exactly like the being mindful part is being mindful that you're putting good things in your body but also saying hey I'm a little bit hungrier today so I'm going to eat a little bit more or you know what I'm really kind of feeling kind of def you know deflated and depleted a little bit I think I'm going to need some extra sweet potato at dinner tonight mm -hmm. or you know I'm actually not hungry today so I'm going to have something really light or you know what this morning I'm not really feeling it so I think I'm going to fast this morning just have a little bit of coffee mm -hmm. you know I'm just kind of learning to listen to those signals while still again keeping in mind the good kind of like base of habits that you have. Like I, 10 or 11 years ago, before I got into fitness, I was eating fast food like three and four times a day. 
And whenever I thought about what I was going to eat, my mind immediately went to what fast food restaurant am I going to go to? And now when I think about what I'm going to eat, my mind goes to, well, what protein source am I in the mood for? And that's where I center all of my meals is around my protein source, whether that's eggs or beef or chicken or whatever. Um, that's where my mind goes. And that doesn't take any effort. That is now a habit that is completely effortless. That is something that I don't have to think about. It doesn't take any willpower. It doesn't take any motivation. It's just what I do. And so I think that you have to develop those and then start to incorporate kind of the the mindfulness and the intuitiveness into your eating. Yeah. So here's my struggle. I kind of feel like I'm a portion control junkie. Mm-hmm. And like I have practiced portion control for years and years and years. And like I'm I'm used to seeing like a meal that's the size of my fist. Right. And now I'm like I'm eating like three times a day. No, not really three times. I'm eating like three square meals and then a couple snacks. Mm-hmm. When I used to have like six small meals and I feel like my meals are still pretty like smaller, but I'm trying not to count my calories anymore. So I really have no idea how much I'm eating exactly. All I know is that I'm getting a little more hungry at night. Mm -hmm. I've been starting my days with like oats again. And, um, for some reason I'm kind of starting to think that maybe starting my day with like oats and, and like berries is not the best thing because it's like yeah I'm not that hungry in the morning so I'm like okay I'll eat like a protein pancake and it's got oats and yes I'm gonna get so many dirty emails for this but yes egg whites because sometimes (laughs) I do want egg whites and I know it's crazy but maybe it's habit I don't know but I eat eggs like actual whole eggs later in the day so I'm like kind of like okay I just want lean protein right now I'm gonna save my fats for lunch and then I'll have like three whole eggs so no one Mm -hmm. get mad at me for that yeah people will calm down it's okay it's just an egg white (laughs) it's an egg white and people like hate egg whites and they love just like yolks but you know I'll end up having later in the day but I'm starting to think like maybe the reason why I'm getting more hungry at night is because my like breakfast is a little bit smaller and my lunch is like a decent size, but I really, I mean, again, I really don't know how many calories are in it. Sometimes it's just like a sweet potato and like four ounces of beef. And like, that's Mm -hmm. really not that much, but like in my head, yeah, it's not. And like, I'm trying to get used to like like eating intuitively. And sometimes that's what I want. And it actually does fill me up and I'll have like some peanut butter afterwards or something like that. And then I'm satisfied all around because I got my sweet thing and then I got my fat and then I got my carbs. But then later at night, I'm like super hungry. And it's kind of mm. like I was, I was had portion control all throughout the day. And then at nighttime I'm like, and I say like, I super, super hungry, but it's probably just cause I like, I'm staying up a little later and I want something to eat. And it's like, right. You're one, wanting something to munch on yeah. at nighttime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I understand. Have you, have you, uh, do you eat the, do you eat the way that you eat because it's the way you've always eaten or because that's the way you've eaten since you started quote unquote eating well, or just because you like to eat throughout the day? Cause I used to think that I loved eating throughout the day and that, <clears throat> and that I needed to eat every two and three hours. And now I find that I actually love, and again, this is not for everyone, but I actually love fasting in the morning and then having like maybe a snack and then like one or two maybe a snack or two and then like one or two big meals and that's become my preference and I mean I'm still getting like like over 2,000 calories and it's just in these like a couple of huge meals where I feel really satisfied so because I'm not hungry in the morning all I want is coffee I have coffee with some heavy cream Mm. and um (laughs) and then maybe like a yeah maybe like a little bit uh, like some nuts or some almond butter maybe like a like a quest bar or some cottage cheese you know or just something some kind of like 
protein and fat um, for a small snack or two, maybe a little dark chocolate. And then I usually have one or two big meals like um, evening and then like at nighttime. But I'm, I'm also a night owl. I usually go to bed around midnight and wake up around like 8.30 or 9. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I go to bed at like 10.30 and I wake up at oh my like goodness. 5. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> I don't see 5 o'clock unless I haven't been to bed yet. And that's not good. It's just years of, um, I like worked at a bar through undergrad and grad school where I did not even get off work until four o'clock in the morning. So that's just like habit, I think. Um, I try to go to bed by midnight, but yeah, and I usually sleep till about eight thirty or nine, but, um, so that's kind of why my, my like timing and stuff is a little bit off, but so I've actually um, done that before. I've done, like, the fasting during the day. But then it started to become kind of a game. Like, how long can I go without eating? Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, that's when I was like, okay, you know what? The Tuesdays, <laughs> no. I'm actually really hungry. And I'm going to go yeah. eat. And then I would just, like, I'd have that all or nothing. So it has to be every day that I fast or I don't do it at all, you know? Yeah. But I will say that it was good. There was a there were times where I was like, this feels really good. Like, I am not really that hungry. And once I got used to doing that, you know, then it, like I really wasn't all that hungry. And if I, if I did have something small though in the morning, then mm-hmm. that would kind of like make me more hungry. So I couldn't That definitely just, makes me more hungry yeah. for sure. When, and, and it's for me again, it's not all the time. It's like, how do I feel when I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago, I was with my best friend and her husband and my boyfriend and um, and we, one morning we got up and we went to a cafe and it was around like 10 30 or something. And we had just gotten coffee and I was like, you know, I'm probably not going to eat. I'll just sit here with you guys while you eat. And then I started looking at the menu and my stomach was kind of hungry. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat. Like, it's not, Good. you know, like who cares? And I had eggs and bacon and breakfast potatoes and it was delicious. And it actually left me generally, if I eat in the morning, I stay hungry throughout the day, but it was a pretty like satisfying meal. And I had my coffee with it. So I wasn't even... I don't think I ate again. I had like a protein bar and maybe like a little bit of jerky, but I didn't eat again until we went to a buffet that night at like seven. And it wasn't like, I'm like, okay, I'm not allowed to eat. It was like, well, I'm, you know, here, I'm going to have a protein bar and a little bit of jerky and I'm pretty satisfied. I might be a little bit hungry, but I'm going to a buffet in an hour and a half or two hours. So I'm just going to wait till the buffet. So, um, again, it's just, it's, it takes a long time, I think, for people to figure out what works for them. And then it's hard mm-hmm. to not be married to a specific style. Because, like, well, this worked for me in 1998. So I'm going to keep doing it. You know, it's like your body changes over time. And really, this is the first time that I have um, been able to maintain a lower body weight, like a pretty lean body weight that I feel really um, happy and satisfied with without stressing about my food. I literally do not ever stress about my food. And it's the most glorious thing that like the most glorious kind of just mental place I've ever been where I don't worry about traveling. I don't worry about getting invited to dinner. I don't stress about like, if I'm going to be at the mall for a couple hours, do I have to bring something with me? You know? Um, and it's just, it's so nice because I feel like I really have found like for me where that lifestyle aesthetics, health and performance all just kind of intersex and just feels really really good yes oh my gosh you just made so many good points I feel like (laughs) after I got off of the uh eat every three hour train or Mm -hmm. wagon you know yeah whatever after I got off that I felt so free I was like wow I can go to the mall and I don't have to pack like food or I can eat what sounds good I'll just make a good choice and and what you said is about like, you know, it takes a while to learn what works for you. And it's very important to stick with the process. So like right now I'm in that process and I'm actually cool with it. Like, cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not stressed either. And it's really nice. And it's like, I'm noticing that I'm a little more hungry at night. And I mm-hmm. even like say to myself, wow, well maybe I should have a bigger breakfast and 
Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I need a little more fat in the morning to keep me satiated because I know fat makes me really satiated. And like mm-hmm. starting my day with carbohydrates like oats is not that great for me. My taste buds love it. And that's why <laughs> I've been doing it lately because that's what I want in the morning and it tastes so good. But I know energy wise and fullness wise, it's way better if I start my morning with like, I mean, even meat and vegetables. I feel so good throughout the day. And it's kind of like, okay, well, I know that. Um, I can choose to Mm -hmm. use that information and do it, or I can choose to continue to eat what tastes good in the morning, like my oats, because that's what sounds good, and just, like, deal with it. Like, I have to make the choice every day, and and it's, like, it's a process. So I'm, like, right now, you know, I'll eat what sounds good, and I know that I'll probably feel better if I have that, but I have an okay, like, like perspective on it. And I know mm-hmm. I'm starting to like get in the groove and listen to my body more and eat when I'm hungry. And does, I don't even yeah. look at the time. I'm not like, wow, well I ate an hour ago. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, I'm hungry. So obviously yeah. my body's trying to tell me to feed it. So I'm going to go eat something and you know, I'll have a bite of something and see if I feel better or right. I'll eat 10 well, bites of something. Yeah. And it's about, um, you know, people, I've had people be like, oh my gosh, that sounds so amazing. I want to be where you are. And I'm, my response is always like, okay, I'm here now, but I'm not there yet. Like, I don't know if any of us ever get there, right? Like this like mythical, magical, like end of the journey where we never struggle with anything ever again. And like somebody the other day was like, well, based on your response, you clearly still have body image issues. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I still have body image issues. What are you talking about? I have never pretended to not have them. Like I'm at the best place I've ever been, but that place is not perfect. Like there, you know, I think my last like actual meltdown was like a year and a half ago, maybe like maybe almost two years ago. But I'm not saying I'll never have a body meltdown again. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I just turned 30. Like I feel like I look good and I feel good, but I mean, like who knows what's going to happen in the next five or 10 years. I might look in the mirror and be like, you know, what's wrong with my whatever, you know? Um, and same thing with my food. I feel like I'm in a really, really good place now, but like if I go through something super traumatic or extremely stressful or whatever, then I might struggle again. I might, you know, turn to food for comfort or I might turn away from food and not want to eat. Like who knows? But for me, it's like, okay, knowing, like, I always think it's funny when people like are, are amazed that something bad or hard or stressful happened. And it's like, well, this is life. And so you should probably Mm -hmm. like know and or plan for the fact that bad or hard or stressful things will happen. Like, deaths and like accidents and injuries and you know things like whatever going wrong um and so I just kind of I know in my mind that that stuff could happen and if it did then I would deal with it the best that I knew how at the time with the tools that I had and whenever I was done expending the amount of energy I needed to expend on whatever was happening I would try to get back to where I am now and I would use what happened as feedback for okay Last time I went off the rails when this happened. So what can I do to prepare myself to not do that next time or to do that to lesser of degree next time, you know? And so it's all just like this big learning experience. Like, um, I got really stressed the other day and my lunch was dark chocolate and organic corn chips with uh, raw cheddar, like nachos, basically. <laughs> you know, that was like, that was my lunch the other day because I was really stressed and, I didn't freak out about it and I didn't starve myself at night because of it. And I was just like, I was in the moment, like I'm only eating this because I'm stressed, but this is the 
delicious. And so I'm going to keep eating this, you know, because that was what, what I felt like doing. And it's just like, okay, now I know next time if I'm starting to feel stressed, maybe I'll go for a walk or maybe I'll eat that again, or maybe I'll eat something else, you know, but it's just this like acceptance and then trying to like figure out why or why something's happening or what you could do about it and then figure out if it's important enough to you to do something about it. And if it is, then do something about it. And if it's not, then be fine with it, you know? Yes, exactly. And just the same way that life is never going to be the exact same day after day, your yep. body's never going to be the exact same. Some days you're going to wake up and you're going to look lean. And then, you know, the next day you might wake up and be super bloated and you have to right. learn how to be okay with it and to say, okay, this too shall pass. Like this will end. Like the bloat madness will stop eventually. And instead of just like being like, oh, what the heck, you know, I'm already bloated. I might as well eat everything else in sight. Just be like, you know, okay, this will pass. I will mm -hmm. be hungry again. Like sometimes yeah. it's really hard for me to realize that like I'm, you know, I just had breakfast. I'm full. And sometimes like not anymore, but I used to get sad and be like, man, I'm full. I really wish I could continue to eat. I really wish I was hungry again because I love food so much yeah. <laughs> and I want to keep eating. But then like finally, you know, a few months ago, I realized like hunger continues, like it comes back. It will never stop. And, you know, some foods make my body look a certain way. And then other times I look a different way. I look completely different in the morning than when I do at night. And like, I've realized that's just life. That's not me. And that's not my self-worth. And that's just life. That's how you wake up some days. And that's how you go to sleep. And like, it's just going to continue for the rest of your life. So like, be okay with it. Be okay with your body and learn that, mm -hmm. you know, your body is just like digesting things or reacting a different way to different foods. But, you know, it's just so easy to like eat more because you feel bad about your body and like that can be you know of course that's like binging or mm -hmm. any other disordered eating habit but it can just be a mental thing too like you're you're stressed out because you're bloating and then you're you create more stress just in your mind and then want to eat everything because you don't feel like you look that great in that one moment you know yeah yeah it's really easy to kind of let let that take you over a little bit and not be able to step back and say yeah, exactly. Like I'm bloated or I'm not feeling so good about myself today or you caught yourself in like a bad light and a bad angle and a bad mirror or whatever and you're not, you know, you're like not not happy with yourself and so you go on a binge. It's like I always liken it to say you have like a Christmas budget of $500, right? You're like I'm going to spend $500 on Christmas presents. Well, if you spend 510, like if you go $10 over your budget, most people don't say screw it and go spend a thousand, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I spent a little bit over my budget, so I'm just going to rein things back in a little bit and I'm just going to get back on track. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the same thing. Or you get a you get a flat tire, you don't go like, you know, flatten your other three tires, right? Yes. You just you, you fix the one and then you get back to it and you're done with it. So Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we're coming up on the hour here, and I we didn't really get to talk about fitness. So I just want to ask you at least one question: um, what What is your current like fitness routine kind of like today? Now that you've you know got much more of a balanced approach, and it might not be what you're always doing, but what's a general idea of the kind of workouts you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think people would probably be really surprised at um, how simple my workouts are. So I released something back in April called the, called the Modern Woman's Guide to Strength Training. And it's got like four different levels of programs. And 
Um, you know, they're just like my, my programming in general is just super simple and basic. I love full body workouts. So I've been doing a lot of those lately where I had some back issues starting about two and a half years ago. My back actually just started feeling better in the last like four to six months. So it's been really nice because I've been able to get back to squatting and deadlifting again. Um, so, uh, every workout pretty much starts with, um, with breathing, a, uh, foam rolling, um, a dynamic warm up that takes me all about 10 or 15 minutes. And then I start almost every workout with some pull-ups and some kind of like a hip or hamstring dominant exercise. Cause I, uh, tend to be kind of quad dominant. So either like a glute ham raise or like a really hip dominant back extension or something of that nature. And then, um, I alternate between like days with an upper body emphasis or a lower body emphasis, but there's always other upper or lower exercises. So for example, I might pair squats with um, more pull-ups or face pulls or something like that. Then deadlifts with like a, some kind of overhead press or something. And then like a, maybe a glute bridge or a single leg exercise with like band pull-aparts or something like that. So it would be like a, like I'd be doing my big lower body lifts on that day and I'd do some like little upper body lifts. And then same thing for my upper body day, I might bench press or do like weighted pull-ups or chin-ups and I might do some split squats or some single leg RDL. So there I'm doing my big upper body movements with some like little lower body movements and mm-hmm. just kind of um, whatever feels good because my back has been so funny. So off and on for a while. And again, it's knock on wood. It's felt amazing for the last four to six months, but I am trying to take things um, pretty easy. And I do a ton of Turkish get ups. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Turkish get up, but back when I had hurt my back, I, um, the Turkish get up was one of the only things that felt really good to me. And that Turkish get up is an exercise where you start on like lying in the fetal position on the ground and you grab a kettlebell and you press it up as if you were going to like bench press or floor press it and you hold it in one hand and you get, um, from the floor all the way to a standing up position and then all the way back down to the floor with it, holding it over your head in one hand. And my goal was to be able to do it with 90 pounds. And I've never seen a woman do a 90 pound get up. And uh, I got to 80 pounds and I started having a little bit of shoulder issues. And so I had to kind of pull back a little bit, but I do a ton of Turkish get-ups. I love them. They're fantastic for the whole body. Good to get mobility in the right places and stability in the right places. And so I do a lot of those, but um, yeah, so I go to the gym about probably four days a week um, and, and do full body every, pretty much every time I'm in there. But again, I'm not doing like heavy full body every time I'm in there. I think four days a week would be a little too much for that. So it's like, you know, heavier lower body two days, heavier upper body two days, and then like light lower upper bodies on the opposite days. So, and then I do a lot of walking. My boyfriend and I go for a lot of walks and relax and, um, and just kind of, you know, try to hang out and take care of ourselves. So. Yeah. Again, that sounds really balanced and sounds like a great workout program. And I've actually never done a Turkish get up myself, which is kind yeah. of crazy because I, I see them all the time and I, I like know how great of an exercise they are, but I've never had someone show me how to do it. And I've seen YouTube videos, of course, because I've like yeah. looked it up, but it's kind of an intimidating like movement and I want to yes. make sure I do it right. And I need to just like ask a trainer at the gym to like just do it with yeah, me. Yeah, ask someone who's certified in kettlebells, like either RKC or, or, or SFG, which is strong first. Um, ask one of them to show you because it is seriously a super cool exercise. And if it's broken down into the individual steps, 
it's really simple. So like looking at it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so long and complicated. And how will I ever remember all of those steps? And seriously, like once you get it broken down for you, it's, it's really, really, it's very intuitive. Once you get it broken down, you're like, okay, well I roll to my elbow and then I go up on my hand and then I bridge up so I can swing my leg through. And then once I swing my leg through, I straighten my body out and I stand up, you know? So like I said, once you go through it a few times, it becomes pretty intuitive. If you, um, if you can concentrate on it and you always start with your body weight and then you get to the point where you can balance a shoe on your hand and, and do it so that you know that you're doing it correctly. And then you move to a weight and it's pretty cool. But yeah, I just kind of do, do whatever feels good, but squats, deadlifts, lots of pull-ups, lots of Turkish get-ups, lots of single leg deadlifts and single arm presses and stuff. So whatever, whatever I can do to feel good and strong and, and healthy. Yes. Love the squats. Love the deadlifts. (laughs) So, uh, last, last (laughs) question for you. And I asked this to all my guests, if you could give someone one piece of advice on how to strengthen their mind-body connection, what would you tell them? Oh, my gosh. How to strengthen their mind-body connection? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have to be – this is going to be a combination of breathing and work and med- meditating. So breathing, if you look at the totem pole of human importance, right? Like how important is breathing? Um, It's pretty mm-hmm. important. Like you were talking about earlier. Like if you don't breathe, your body – if you hold your breath, your body will eventually – breathe because it knows that it needs air. So it's like, if you think about this like giant totem pole, right at the very top, you have like breathing and heart beating. And then as you go down, you've got like, you know, you've got like water and food and shelter. And then you go down to like community and love and significance and all of these things that we need, right? Our body's going to meet those top priorities first. But most of us um, have like this kind of crazy quote unquote dysfunctional breathing pattern with these like heavy mouth breathers and these chest breathers because we've like, we've like lost this ability to, to breathe through our nose and to breathe, um, you know, into our bellies and into our back. So, um, focusing on just like really deep, slow, uh, breathing through your nose. Some people like just strictly nasal breathing with your lips sealed. Other people like in through the nose, out through the mouth. But if you just spend like five minutes at night before you go to bed, just breathing deeply through your nose, big, deep breath in through your nose, all of your air out through your mouth, focus on, don't let your chest like cut, like rise up towards your neck, you know, and your traps and stuff. Just think about everything rising, like expanding through your midsection, breathing deeply, big, deep inhale, big, long exhale. And just like, while you're doing that, get in that rhythm and then spend some time thinking about things that you're grateful for in your life, whether it's grateful for, you know, friends or family or your job um, you know, or, or other things that are going on in your life and spending time thinking about things you can be grateful for with your body. Like, I think that would make a huge, huge difference in how you sleep and how you feel in, you know, your mood in that kind of mind body connection that we were just talking about. Um, I think that makes, it would make a huge, huge difference for a lot of people. Oh, I love it. I love asking that question because I get a different answer every time. I'm sure. It's probably super different than what I'm like, breathe and, um, yeah, it's probably super different than you've gotten from a lot of people, but I love that. I think most people don't, people are like so scared to slow down and be in their own brains for five Mm -hmm. minutes. You know, it's like, they're almost scared of what they're fine. So they're always like, they're on Instagram and they're on Facebook and they're checking their email and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're listening to music and they're whatever. And it's like, man, just like slow down and be in your own head 
for five minutes and I promise you good things will happen. Exactly. It'll improve other aspects of your life, just the quality of life. It's a very small, tiny thing you can do every single day to make such a big difference. So mm-hmm. good I answer. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you, ma'am. Yeah. You know, this is awesome. And I'm just, I'm so glad that I got to have you on the show and where can people find you when they get off this, listen to this podcast? Yes, they can find me at mollygalbraith.com. That's M-O-L-L-Y-G-A-L. B-R-A-I-T-H, so mollygalbert.com. Um, also, girlsgonestrong.com. So I run I run Girls Gone Strong, which is a really cool website. On Molly Galbraith, I write most of the content for Girls Gone Strong. It's a mix of, like, the smartest physical therapists, registered dietitians, strength and conditioning specialists, pre- and postnatal experts, like, PhDs. Um, they all contribute content over there. And it's literally anything and everything that you want to know about a woman Uh, about a woman living her absolute healthiest and most fulfilling lifestyle, whether it's how does, you know, how do hormones affect your fat loss to how do you learn how to squat to how do you return to exercise after a C-section to, you know, whatever we've got, we've got it on there and we, and we continue building that resource every single week, adding new content. So mollygalbert.com, girlsgonestrong.com. And then, um, both of those are, I'm on Facebook with both of those and I'm on Twitter with both of those as well. Lots of places you can find me. Yes, and everyone listening, you must, 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 must check out her website. I love it. The articles just are so applicable to your life and very, very insightful. So check it out. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Madeline. I'm excited, and thank you all for listening. All right. Bye, girl. Bye. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening!